1999 The Podcast is a production of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts on movies, comics, and all things pop culture, head to cageclub.me. To contact us with questions, comments, or just to say hi, send us an email at 1999 at cageclub.me. You can find me on Twitter at ProbablyRealJB and Joey at SoulPopped. And you can follow the show on Twitter at 1999thepodcast. To support the show, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. The show is written, produced, and edited by us. Welcome to 1999, the podcast. I am John Brooks. And I am Joey Lewandowski. This is our season finale, not our series finale, but our season finale. And I am excited. Next season is going to be a little bit, a little bit different, a little be, bit strange. There's going to be lots of real, real big ups and real big downs. A we'll... lot. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> After a season of mostly ups, I mean, we'll we'll do our uh, our exit interview, our, our deep dive, our decompression yeah. Another point in time, but I'm excited. I think we're I think we're ending this ne- this season on a real high note. A real high note. <laughs> I that sounds sarcastic. I genuinely love this movie. We'll talk about it. I love this movie. <laughs> well, as you alluded to, today is our final request round movie, and it sure is an interesting one. Uh, this movie comes to us from director Louis or Louis. I don't know how he pronounces it, but his last name is Morneau. Let's say Louis because it sounds French. Louis Morneau, the director of The Hitcher 2 and Joyride 2 and Carnosaur 2 and writer John Logan, the writer somehow of Gladiator, The Aviator, Skyfall, Hugo, and 1999's very own Any Given Sunday. It stars Lou Diamond Phillips, Dina Meyer, Bob Gutton, Leon, off-brand John Malkovich, Carlos Jacot, and a bunch of bats. Today, we're talking about Backward Stab, also known as Bats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Tell the people what Bats, aside from being about Bats, is about. Bats have started bats. to kill people in the town of Gallup, Texas. Mm-hmm. I wrote this word down. I'm no, I don't know if I can pronounce it or not. Two chiropterologists, a fancy okay. word for bat scientists, are called mm-hmm. in to investigate. They learn from a local doctor that he genetically modified the bats to protect them by making them smarter and omnivorous. Bad idea. They team up. With the town sheriff to find and take care of the bats, they try to evacuate the town, but no one listens. A bunch more people die. The National Guard shows up, gives them 48 hours to handle the situation before they blow up the town. As they brainstorm ways to take care of the bats, the military moves in to try to blow up the mine where the bats are roosting. Bats kill all those soldiers. Finally, the scientists who actually designed them to be ultimate killing machines, specifically against humans, he dies to the bats as well. With time running out, our heroes enter the mine, deploy bat-killing coolant, and blow up the mine on the way out, saving the day and the town of Gallup, Texas. Didn't we already do the genetically enhanced killer animal movie? I did think this is... So I was thinking, like, as I was watching this, who could I recommend this to? (laughs) And I was like, do they make movies like this anymore? And the answer is, rarely. They made, like, Crawl. Crawl is a great movie. And I'm like, who could I recommend this to? Oh, of course, Mark Hoffmeyer. I'd be surprised if Mark haven't, hasn't seen it already. But um, 1999's 127th highest grossing movie 
Bats opened at number nine just in time for Halloween on the weekend of October the 29th, but, or sorry, 25th, I think. Uh, but filmed for just five and a quarter million dollars, it nearly earned back its budget in its opening week, taking in $4.7 million. Hell yeah, Bats. And, mm-hmm, and going on to earn more than $10 million on a US only release. Bats is also the worst reviewed film we've covered. <laughs> Well, just stay tuned for next season when we are going to top or bottom, however you want to look at that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. Number. Mm-hmm. On Rotten Tomatoes, Bats holds an 18% critic score with, with 40 reviews uh, and a 14% audience score with 10,000 ratings. Its Metacritic score is 23 with 26 reviews, but with 54 user ratings, it holds a respectable 7.4 user score. With one, James E. giving the film an 8 and writing, quote, This movie is a real gem. No, I take that back. It is a, parentheses, Lou, Diamond, parentheses, Phillips. Hell yeah. As always, the Diamond, capital T, capital D, brings his A game to the role and owns it. He puts on that oversized sheriff's hat and you think, wow, did he quit acting and take on a life of crime fighting? This is a must watch for anybody who wants to see a bunch of bats get handed some Texas justice diamond style exclamation point. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) The rest of the reviews are largely gibberish strings of letters and or symbols. Literally one is just like X, Y, A, B, M, M, N, N, Q, L. Really? Yeah. Like that's all. His is the only um, review in English. Among real critics, (laughs) its highest Metacritic score is 50 from four separate critics. Kevin Maynard of Mr. Showbiz, who called it, quote, you're going to love this, fast, furious, and watchable. Mm, and that predates mm. our titular <laughs> Fast and Furious. Uh, yeah, it does. By two, By years. two years. You don't have to check the math on that, John. If anybody knows when those movies I, came I, out. I know, I know. Well, you often forget what year the movies were talking about. Very true. That's very fair. <laughs> Uh, Joe Lydon of Variety, who called it, quote, surprisingly satisfying. Chris Kaltenbeck of the Baltimore Sun, who wrote, Bats is quite the hoot. And John Petrakis of the Chicago Tribune, who called it, quote, perfect late summer drive-in fair. I should note, however, that October 25th is not late summer. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere in the world is that late summer. No, no. It's either mid-fall or mid-spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all goes downhill from there, though. Critics certainly seem to have fun reviewing this movie, including Dallas Observer's M.V. Moorhead, who called it, quote, a work of hilarious, nearly Ed Wood-worthy ineptitude. And the New York Times' Lawrence Van Gelder, who wrote, it is, quote, cause for fright in only one respect, the possibility it could spawn sequels. Note, it did, but just one, 2007's made-for-sci-fi channel Bats 2 Human Harvest, which has one review, a negative one, on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 12% audience score, and no Metacritic entry at all. (laughs) So, not sure on that one. Many make the requisite unfavorable comparison to The Birds, among them the film's only Metacritic Zero, the Austin Chronicle's Mark Savlov, who wrote that Bats is, quote, essentially a bat-oriented remake of Hitchcock's The Birds, done with ham-handed solemnity and all the subtle nuance of a gushing jugular, and concluded, quote, 
Phillips, Myers, and the clearly deranged, eye-rolling Gunton admirably attempt to claw their way past some wretched, cliched dialogue and characterizations, but it appears to be a lost cause. Given the choice between Arthur Hiller's 1979 Bad Bats Bite Back Vehicle Nightwing and this disaster, I'm going to have to side with the former, if only because good old Struther Martin provided at least a lick of goofball humor to the proceedings. Bats? Question mark? Bad. Period. Hmm. So we're going to talk about bats today. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you weren't kidding when you said this intro was short. I I do love that it's stab upside down. And one of the posters is actually just and like the way the movie comes in. It says stab and then it flips and you're like, oh, stab backwards is bats. That's cool. And I'm like, "Is is this a scream, a scream within a scream movie? Nope. It's bats. Joey, who's responsible for forcing us to watch and talk about bats? Honestly, it's it's my fault, but I knew, I know that <laughs> our guest tonight is someone who loves this movie. He is the number one fan of the movie Bratz, mm-hmm. and the host of the Patreon show, The Truth About Cats and Bratz, with Austin Wolf Southern. It is none other than the aforementioned Austin Wolf Southern. The, the, the great Bratz v. Bats Smackdown is about, is about to come your way. It's going to be interesting. How does Bats stack up against Bratz? A question all moviegoers have wanted to know since both of those movies came out. I don't know when Bratz came out. We will find out. We're going to take a quick break. (laughs) We'll be right back. Austin, welcome to the show. I was trying to make sense. So I know that you have, and I introduced you as such. Well, first of all, Austin Wolf Southern's here. Hello, Austin. Hello. So this is the final episode of the season. The season is all movies that people picked. I'm curious to know about your relationship with Bats, because I know that you have the Patreon about Cats and Brats. And I think your letterbox included Cats, Bats, and Brats. That might have just been four movies that rhymed with Ants. But like in my head you and this movie are intertwined. And mm. even if the the naming thing, like it feels like the kind of movie that you would love. So I'm, I'm wondering if I'm wrong, if I'm right, if you love this movie, what's going on? Uh, well, both. So here's what happened mm-hmm. is a couple of years ago, I launched my review series, the truth about cats and brats. Mm-hmm. And so in my letterbox top four, I put cats and brats. And I was like, well, what should the other two be? And right. I thought, well, bats and rats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's rats from 2000 with a Z at the end, which. Right, right. Of course. Fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you have two those, Z's and two S's. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I mm-hmm. wish it could be all four could be with a Z, but, you know, take what you can get. So cats, brats, rats and bats. Okay. So I assume you saw that. And my top four changes all the time. It's just whatever mood I'm in or whatever. But Well, I will also say, not to interrupt you, but the reason you're here in, in a grand sense, the reason that I found you and friended you is because your top four, when I was watching Can't Stop the Music. John, have you seen Can't Stop the Music, the YMCA, the Village People movie? No. I was Great watching time. this movie and Letterboxd has the feature, as we've been talking about, where you can list four movies that are your favorite movies. And I'm like, I want to know... Who in the world has this movie in their top four? Because it is a crazy movie. And I see Austin and I go to Austin's profile and it's that movie. 
I think it's maybe a Nicolas Cage movie. I'm not sure. It's the best Keanu Reeves movie, Flying, a.k.a. Dream to Believe, in, a.k.a. I Dream of Flying, and it's Spring Breakers. Mm. And I was like, I don't know who this person is, but I need to become friends with them because I love these movies, especially Spring Breakers, like genuinely love Spring Breakers, genuinely love Flying, am fascinated by Can't Stop the Music. So I followed Austin, DM'd him on Twitter. I was just like, we don't know each other, but we need to be movie friends because this is amazing. <laughs> So the fact that your top four brings you here is kind of like another step in the logical letterbox top four friendship developing here. So that's I true. for sure then saw your top four with the ats, 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 ats. <laughs> and that's why I associate you with this movie. Yeah. And so so here's the thing. Yeah. At the time that that was my top four, I had not seen the movie Bats. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I've never, never seen it. Okay. Um, Had you heard of it? Oh, yeah. Did you know it existed? Okay. Yeah. No, I I knew of it. And it was always like on my list of like, I, I meant to see it. You know, it was mm-hmm. always one I intended to see. And it looked like something I would like. You know, right. like I, I wasn't scared that I was going to regret putting it in my top four or something. <laughs> you know, like it, it looked like something I would like. But yeah, at the time I listed it as a favorite, had not actually seen it. Had uh, you seen Rats? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I but I've seen I've seen them both since. Good. Um, okay. and they're great. Uh well when John finally lets me turn this podcast into two thousand the podcast, we will have you back for rats. I would love to oh, talk that's about right. rats. Yeah. It's gonna be about 15 years until that happens but but you know i'll wait because rats or, or until we until we get tired of 1999 movies but uh we got we got we got a lot yeah. more to talk about mm-hmm. so i i did see it i did see both of them several months later um but yeah then i i got a message recently from joey saying i know do you want to be a guest on this show? I know Bats is one of your favorite movies. <laughs> and I said, I said, sure. It absolutely is. And yes. I said, of course. And then I looked back at my, so I did see it uh, like a year and a half ago or something. And I looked back at okay. my review and my review for the movie was, I'm ready to go to bat for this movie. Oh, mm-hmm. Nice. My big disappointment with this movie is that no one uses a bat to kill the bats, which I think is a real messed up. Because there's a lot of you, they have a lot of like uh, you, know, you have layer, layers of symbolism there. It's like what what what's really the bats? Is it the bats or the bats? You know, and well, I think that would. I been... didn't consider that. That is that's so. A good point. <laughs> I should have written this movie. Yeah. For Go another ahead. podcast that I do, Viva Pod mm-hmm. Vegas, the mm-hmm. Elvis Presley movie podcast, where we barely talk about his music, we only talk about his acting. I tell Mike on there, my co-host Mike Manzi, I'm like, I want the only thing I want from all these movies is to see one thing I've never seen in another movie before. And mm-hmm. almost every movie delivers. And it's wild that that's like able to happen. But like almost every one of those movies has something in it that I'm like, I've never seen this before. And I will say Bats delivers on that as well, because I've never seen another movie where they put a tracking device on a bat. And then that bat is murdered by other bats because those bats know what's going on. And I was like, <laughs> they're genetically like, modified, movie, super smart bats. Yeah. Makes this movie sense. won me over. I mean, I was already on the movie side from the very jump, but like mm-hmm. in that moment, mm-hmm. I was like, I love this movie. <laughs> 
Austin, real quick, I want to know the what year did the Bratz movie come out exactly? Is this like a live action movie? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. Uh, yeah, two thousand seven. But there are several straight to video animated Bratz movies. Right, right. I thought so. Yeah, but the live action one was. Well, I think the live action one did come out before any of the animated ones, but the mm-hmm. animated ones also started coming out in maybe 2006. Pretty Is anybody close. famous in the live action one? John Voight. John Voight. Yeah, John Voight plays the principal and the... <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing like a he's wearing a fake nose. Um, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can recognize him. I will say that Bratz also there uh, there was a contentious point in Austin and my relationship because of Bratz because I was unfair to the movie Bratz and if you want to explore that further go check out High School Slumber Party mm-hmm. uh, we have since mended defense there um, but there was oh, there was tension the because is what we said. because we buried the Bratchet. Um, why why do you, why do you like I mean tell me the history of your history with the movie Bratz from two thousand seven. <laughs> Honestly, you don't want to talk about the movie Bats. No, I, we're going to get to Bats, but I want to know. I want to know how we got from Bratz to Bats, and I want to know how Austin got to Bratz. So, uh, it's a movie that just blew me away when I saw it because it's it's really fun. There, okay. like Joey was saying, there are a lot of things in it that I've never seen in another movie, and specifically mm-hmm. as a high school movie. Um, and the the example I use is like there's you know, a trope in high school movies where they're showing like, where they're in the cafeteria saying like, that's where the jocks sit and that's where the nerds sit. And in the Mm -hmm. movie Bratz, it's like, and that's where the mimes sit and that's where the jugglers sit. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's where the like Mm -hmm. goth, whatever, like I, they have the fucking craziest examples of (laughs) high school groups. Um, and then they're even like, they're assigned those groups. I don't know. It's just, it's very weird. Um, and it's about, you know, it's a movie about friendship. And it also does something I've never seen where the movie starts and it's going for like 10 minutes. The Bratz girls are starting high school. They have like one day of high school. And then there's uh, like a card that says two years later. <laughs> And we skip ahead two years very early in the movie. And it's so surprising and wonderful. And great. Well, freshman and, then, and sophomore year are, are famously just sort of yaddy, yaddy, yaddy years, right? Who nobody It's true. <laughs> but I will say that Bratz puts those two years to great effect because the girls grow apart in those two years. Oh, yeah. This is a movie, yeah, John, exactly. I've seen twice because I did not want Austin to be upset with me that Sounds I was unfair. Sounds like it needs a prequel to fill in some of those, some of those, some of those gaps. I mean, they're kind of, <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, the mm-hmm. animated movies don't fill in those two years. That would, <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a very colorful movie and it's a very yeah. like camp movie. And I just, I really love their performances. I love the weird shit that it does. They wear clown makeup at one point. I love that. It's just a it's just a perfect film. It sounds a lot like a movie that we covered recently, Jawbreaker, where it's like except oh, sure. more more like if if Jawbreaker were like sprayed with cotton candy, that, that's sort of I think, you know, 
Yeah, I think there's definitely get. parallels with Jawbreaker. I mean, that one's a little more like, I would say, sharply written in its like satire and and what it's doing and and Bratz, you know, I I don't want to I don't want this to sound negative, but kind of like stumbles on the camp aspect of it. But that's what makes it endearing, right? But that's also true of 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 bats, which I saw for the first time today. Cool. Yeah. This is is this the first movie that I've seen before? And by before you, I mean two days earlier. Two days earlier. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Um, this is the first movie I think that I just flat out had not seen. Um, had you heard before of before? The... Before I said, let's yes. do bats. I, okay. As soon as you said it, I looked at the poster. I'm like, oh shit! I remember this movie. Um, and I was very excited to, to see it cause I like, I like those <laughs> just this kind of movie <laughs> that we, existed in the nineties that doesn't exist anymore. We talked um, about a little bit in the yeah. intro that like a movie like crawl is not dissimilar from this. I know that they don't really oh. make these movies anymore, at least, especially not in theaters. Yeah. I would see two of these a month in theaters. If these <laughs> were made today, if you had like mid budget or low budget creature features where like. Everyone really cares about a crazy premise. Two a month. Give me two a month. I think I think the Sci-Fi Network is making two of those a month. I think so, but I want I want to. That's I where want, they like, are now. I want the theatrical yeah. experience. Yeah, like, I want to go to a place and a shared thing. And there's something about the the, the Sci-Fi version of this which is you're right that's where this kind of movie lives if it lives anywhere right like the Sharknado whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's something about the sci-fi version of it that is so, cause like the sequel to bats was a sci-fi original. Um, and it just is sort of like, it lacks the, the charm of, of the sort of low budget. Cause it's, it's, they're all sort of, it's like a brand of low budget B movie on sci-fi channel. Whereas yeah. this is like, an authentic low budget B movie. And I don't know what it is. Like it's something about, there's I think, something I think, that, I think a good way to say is like, they're making it for the wrong reason. They're like, yeah. This and is it's a, almost like, it's almost like thing. inherently homage. And like, mm-hmm, as opposed mm-hmm. to, as opposed to being sort of like, this is crazy, but also, and also incredibly derivative, but also like, there's no other movie quite like this. Um, even though deep blue sea is quite like this, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Right? Like, it's just, it's the way that these like rubber, bats <laughs> just like are tossed will, about everywhere in this movie is, yeah. is you don't see that in movie the effects theater. in this movie are both at somehow at the same time better and worse than i thought they would be mm-hmm. and i at the end of the day netted out as like i was impressed by the effects in this movie like they're not good yeah but for a movie that has a five million dollar budget and is a movie that basically no one has heard of mm-hmm. um with you know, lesser actors, maybe, or lesser known actors, at least no, you know, huge stars. I was surprised by how good a lot of the effects in this movie were. Um, Austin, you've, you saw it before any of us did. So walk us through your initial experience with bats that you had to see for the sake of a rhyme scheme. Um, and, and why you fell in love with it instantly. Uh, I mean, I, you know, going back to my first viewing, like however long ago, I think it was it was about two years ago. Um, 
I remembered very little. (laughs) (laughs) So again, this is not, it's not really a movie I would have chosen, (laughs) which is supposed to be the theme of this season, I gather. (laughs) I mean, you you can come back for other movies. I just wanted to, like, I... I I, I, I I thought the history between you and this movie was different than it actually is. Yeah, which I, I and I did say in my review that I I'm willing to go to bat for it, and mm-hmm. never in a million years did I think someone would take me up on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am well. Now's now's your to, chance to go to bat for bats. So. But I am happy to do it because I I do really like this movie because I so I watched it again today and was like, yeah, this movie is really fun and really great and. The thing that I love about it the most is the effects. I think there's some like dodgy CG with the uh, the like pack of bats. What's a what's a pack of bats called? I don't know. Uh, a pod? Probably not. It's not. Nope. Yeah, it's it's not pack or pod. But anyway, you know, a swarm <laughs> of of bats. You know, it a doesn't cauldron, look as good. colony, or collective. Ooh, cauldron. cauldron Let's go with cauldron. Bats. The oh, cauldron of that. bats. Yeah. Yeah, so the cauldron of bats, you know, it doesn't look great. But their decision to go mostly practical yeah. makes yeah. such a big difference. And it mm-hmm. really, I think, like, harkens back to, like, 80s effects. And it looks so much like, when they get really close on those bat faces, they look a lot like, like the ghoulies. That's exactly bit. what I thought too. Exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yep. Yeah. So that just feels very like refreshing and like kind of not nostalgic because I didn't necessarily see Ghoulies young, mm-hmm. but just like appreciative of those effects. And this movie really shows you the bats. Like yeah. it shows them a lot and they're often puppets, but you see them so much. And I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of always showing the monster. I think, you know, less is less, more is not <laughs> enough. Uh, always show the monster. I don't want anything. I don't want a single fucking thing left to my imagination. I want to see the monster. And they show the bats a lot. And they're these, mm-hmm. like, this perfect combination of, like, cute and ugly and they're so mad. They look so <laughs> mad. They do look mad. <laughs> um, and it just really works. And they're just like crashing into windows and ripping people's throats <laughs> and doing all this. So it's just, it's so much fun to watch the like bat carnage. Yeah. And I like some of the actors. I love Dina Meyer and, and I like uh, Lou Diamond Phillips a lot. Yep. Bob Gutton's great. I mean, the the, the whole cast is. Yeah. I mean, the the central cast is uh, is way overqualified um, for for the for the assignment. But yeah, Bob Lou Gutton Dun- yeah. is so funny in it because his his <laughs> only job is to, to be evil <laughs> and to like have a secret. <laughs> and he's so great at it. And he does so much of that with like his facial expressions. I mean, there's just something about his his persona that he, he plays that kind of character so well. And like, mm-hmm. he's, he's clearly having a great time um, on that movie, which is also, I mean, one of the things that really sort of works for me is that everybody there really does seem to be having a good time. And I think that, that, that can push a movie like this uh, through a lot of um, shortcomings. So 
John, what did you think of Bats? You've been suspiciously quiet as Austin and I heap effusive praise on this movie. <laughs> I kind of agree with everything you're saying. Um, it was, it, you know, it's it's a long 90 minutes. Um, you think? Yeah, I mean, it if drags. If a it, long 90 minutes, watch the new Super Mario Brothers movie. I did. I loved it. Um, <laughs> but mostly because I saw it with like a room, a, a whole theater full of kids who were just having a great time and... Um, and yes, I agree that Super Mario Brothers uh, drags a little bit uh, as it goes on, but I thought it was wonderful. Um, yeah, the, the pacing of a lot of the sequences isn't isn't necessarily great. Um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a B movie. It's a schlocky B movie. And it's it's one of the better and more endearing and more, um, you know, effort put in of those <laughs> right um greg nicotero is is was what did, did the design i think of the bats he obviously went on to bigger and better things and uh was a huge fe- feature of the walking dead um was the guy who designed all of the makeup and everything for walking dead and then also ended up i think directing a bunch of episodes of that and writing a bunch of episodes of it as well so like this a that's a place where this is one of his sort of um his kind of formative movies. I believe he was working in TV before that. Cause I think. Yeah. 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 No, he, he was, I mean, it wasn't his first thing by any, yeah. by any means. He was working on Buffy by that point. Mm-hmm. And you can see with yeah. the bat design as well, the, like the Buffy quality, like there's oh, a, yeah. right. The, the, the demon, the demon vampires in Buffy look a lot like the bat faces uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in this movie, which I thought was, uh, was pretty cool. So yeah, I mean like having someone like him on board, you know, I think elevates it. Um, quite a bit i what what i would say is like i was thinking about what we were talking and like something austin just said kind of this sort of um this is sort of to build on that but i was thinking about when we were talking about the haunting and how the haunting was like the perfect example of like what not to do with a huge budget and and you know cgi special effects galore um that they were trying to make like big special effects scary and i kept watching this and being like this is a really good example of a movie that if you're gonna remake movies remake a movie like this one which i think has a lot of really just like fun over the top cool elements to the premise but if you had a real like if you went all in (laughs) with with like crazy amounts of just like cgi all over the place bats and and really put a huge budget on this you could make something exquisitely insane um and i kept just kind of like wanting like more 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 like this is a movie that needs to be bigger in scope bigger in budget and and crazier than it already is um so for me like i think it, it, it was it was good enough that i kept thinking like i hope i wish that someone would take this insane idea and make something more polished and and even and even bigger um, than what they did. But you see, I think why I love this movie so much is because the opening to this movie felt like an X Files cold open. One hundred percent. The last two years watching mm. rewatching the entire X Files run, and it just sort of felt like a Monster of the Week episode that like Mulder and Scully weren't around for yeah and so i think because it felt like that thing and that's like a kind of thing that i love so much like i don't watch serialized tv now like i don't watch like a svu or an ncis or whatever but like the x files is maybe my favorite show of all time and we've talked about that on on hard to believe or the show formerly known as hard to believe no we talk hard to believe we can call it that yeah um (laughs) 
but I think because I, I sort of locked into that and like the rest of the episode, the rest of the movie using the wrong word sort of unintentionally kind of feels like a long X-Files episode. Like I sort of yeah. didn't expect much. Yeah. And I think it, it just kind of like a, it's one of the, if this was an episode of the X-Files be like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then you'd be like on to the next week. And like, I think because it was that and because the effects, like it was gorier and the effects were better than a lot of X-Files episodes. I think I was just like, this is actually, like, I really enjoy this and appreciate this. Um, so I think maybe having sort of like lowered dampened expectations, maybe, <laughs> And I do think that this movie did genuinely impress me. Like, I'm not just saying, like, I expected it to suck and it didn't suck. It's like, I expected it to be, like, fine. And yeah. I thought it was pretty good. And I, I that, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised by, like, how much I enjoyed this. To the point where, like, I would, rec- not to everybody, but I would recommend this to a bunch of people. Like, you should check this out. Because, like, it's 90 minutes long. Yeah. And it's on Prime. Like, it's yeah. easy to get and easy to watch. And it's so, There's so many places where it's free. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like it's be you'd really be hard to like pay money to watch this movie. Um, but yes, it's it is it is all over the place. It also feels like the kind of movie that you could watch the commercials and be like, yeah, this movie deserves to be watched the commercials, kind of, right? Like it's like, yeah, that I I'm okay <laughs> sort of folding laundry while watching bats or whatever. Fair enough. I can't disagree that like bigger would be better because I think that yeah. you know, like in my head I feel like it went big enough, but then if I saw it go bigger, I'd be like, Oh right, I this is better. But, you know, as it is right now, it feels really, really great to me. And like, you know, the kind of centerpiece scene where they attack the town is just like so chaotic, really like perfectly chaotic. And then the scene where they're attacked in the car and the bats are like crawling through the the exhaust pipe or something to get in the car. <laughs> I love that scene too. Yeah. Like through the, it's like one's crawling like through the, 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 uh, the floor pads, <laughs> like where the gas pedal is like, yeah, it's, it's gross and weird. I love it. Yeah. So stuff like that, I feel like wouldn't necessarily make it to an X-Files episode. Um, and especially the scene of the town being attacked, I think is a little bigger than, I mean, again, it's just budgeting issues, but I think a little sure. bigger than, something they would have so it it earns its uh its title as a movie and i i think it really i think it really succeeds at what it at all that it sets out to do which is to be like a big fun animals attack adventure movie with a pretty similar plot to deep blue sea but in the (laughs) deep blue sky Deep blue sky. Deep, deep <laughs> black sky. Mm-hmm. That's what it should have been called. And just have it be part of that franchise. I um, I kind of got on board this movie when... So first of all, the opening is also... It is like an X-Files cult open, but it's also exactly Jurassic Park. Like, you know, this this guy in a suit shows up on a helicopter and he's like, I need your help, scientist. And she's like, I got to do my bat work. And, you know, he's like, no, the CDC. And she's like, OK. And like, even I think the helicopter is like identical to the Jurassic Park helicopter. Um, yeah, there's several scenes that are like directly out of Aliens and Jurassic Park, just like Deep Blue Sea was. There's like it's paying homage to a lot of the same um, a lot of the same movies. But I was definitely on board with this movie when. I, re- I realized that people were just going to say the word bats an awful lot in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> They're like one of the very first lines of dialogue. is like something, something bats, bats, 
bats okay and then bats is used as like a comma throughout the rest of the movie uh it's remark i I mean it's something mark would have to get a uh, number Mm -hmm. on but uh, i want the grand total of times that bats is said uh or bat or bats it's it's yeah i like that they specify at some point that they're they're flying foxes or something so I like that. They, <laughs> right, right, they right. Do, yeah. They do introduce like the breed of bats and then they're like, we're just, we're throwing that out there. It's there. That's what <laughs> we do know. There are different types of bats, but we're going back to just saying bats over and over. My, my favorite line in the movie, the only quote that I wrote down also has the word bat in it where they're like the plan annihilate every last bat it's just like that's a that's a pretty solid mission statement it's just like what are we gonna do we're gonna get rid of every single one of them it's like all right cool no but i mean as soon as somebody as soon as somebody in a movie like this from the writing uh point of view is like signaling that it's crazy i'm like okay now i know sort of where i am where i'm positioning myself in terms of how i'm critiquing this movie because it were it not for the sheer amount of like uh, very self-aware ways that everybody says bats all the time. I might have been a little less into this because it would have been pretentious, but like there's so many just clearly like intentionally illogical things, like things that are supposed to be funny that that are sort of like horror movie tropes. Like the, the scene to get back to the, the, uh, the town getting attacked at night centerpiece scene. The best part about that is like, people outside are experiencing basically Armageddon and like you go into any single building and there's like a bartender just sort of cleaning up the bar. And he's like, mm-hmm. as though nothing is fucking happening outside. There's nobody in the bar. There's no, like he's just there and he's like, Hey man, what's going on? And it's like, how can you not hear the screams of horror and like gunshots going off? And then another scene, she ends up a little while later in like a convenience store there's some lady working at the convenience store and she's like, hi, what's happening? You know, and she's like, duck or whatever. And I'm like, why can they not hear what's going on? Even when the scene in the diner, which has no lights for some reason, but the scene in the diner where the it's guy a, goes it's into a, it's the a great scene, it's a great yeah, scene. He goes into the storage where LL Cool J goes in the storage closet. LL Cool J does not survive this movie. It's not LL Cool J, but it should have been. Uh, goes into the storage closet thing and he gets mutilated by a bat and like none of the two people even notice like how can they not hear what's happening in like a closet right behind them it's it's great well there are like many scenes in this movie where a bat is like slowly creeping up on a person and that person has zero awareness (laughs) sometimes like a four foot wide bat like a couple of feet away like it's you have to strain credulity a little bit but also i don't mind bats are stealthy these are smart bats too, so they know to like they know to tiptoe behind. Did you. we ever get a, a full explanation of like what's going on? Like, so Bob Gunton, so the military is trying to make weaponized bats that are super smart, but so so Bob Gunton like lets them free because he wants to what exactly? What's his? I got the impression that he motive? was hired to do a job, and he's like, man, fuck that though. I'm just gonna have him kill all the people. Like he was, he was tasked or took it upon himself to. I don't know if it was the military, but like I think the the bats were endangered. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna genetically modify them to make sure that like they don't die out. Like we want to preserve them. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna make them omnivorous, 
and we're also going to like and and make them smarter right and right. then going to make sure right. that like they are able to sustain on their own they can they have more food supply that like they can sustain themselves but what he doesn't tell anybody whether this was something that he chose to do or was tasked to do or just took upon himself was breathe into them the mission to kill all humans i think i think he kind of implies that the aggression was an accident and that he that just kind of happened but then but then later it really seems like there's some kind of government conspiracy like they are trying to weaponize the bats because just because of him being so evil too and it it seems like, and he also talks about being able to control the bats, which seems like a weapon, a weaponizing tactic. Um, and, if, you know, it turns out he can't, which I also think is very funny. And a, a couple great moments in the movie where um, he says, he's like, oh, I can control them. And they look at him and they're like, well, then do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then later he like goes outside and he's just like, all right, I can control him. And then they just attack him and he's just like, oh shit. I... Oh shit. But yeah, his end goal is not totally clear. I think early on, he's just like, no, like this is, they, they're, I don't know what's going on. Like I had the best intentions. Like I tried to. And then I think at the end when he like unveils that he's actually the, I think he unveils he's the mastermind right before the bats kill him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, and they kind of say like, Oh, they because then the bats leave and they're like, oh, they got what they wanted. Well, that like, I found interesting. I'm like, wait, is this the end of the movie? Are they like now just going to fly off into the sunset and be like, we're done. We have gotten our revenge on the evil scientist. Yeah, guy. but no, it's it's not the end of the movie. I think that was just like their intention for that trip, but not like overall. The 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 times when the bats appear to be done with whatever they're doing are very confusing to me. Because <laughs> they like, they'll just like eat a person, or a few of them will. Then they'll just be like, "Okay, let's all fly away," and like, or seem to be like flying around at random, like not hunting anybody. I, I I don't get their motivation a lot of the time. I mean, how many people do you think realistically live in this town? Like a hundred? I don't know. I'm not trying to talk shit on the fictional town of Gallup, Texas, but if you think like about how, if you're like a super smart bat who like now is self-aware and your only goal is to kill people. Basically you're not going to want to do that. Like, cause if you do it all too quickly, you're not gonna have anything. You're not gonna have any work to do. So like, I think them just flying around is just like, we got time to kill. Yeah. I think they're just feeding. I don't think they're like in, they're maliciously killing people. I think they're just, feeding. yeah. But like, why are so many of them not feeding then? That's, that's what's weird to me. It's like they, Those, they swoop into attack. Well, not all of them are hungry. hungry. Okay. All right. Some of them just ate, but they still want to join. <laughs> they still want to join the cauldron. They don't want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're still. I ate before we got here, out. but like, whatever. I'll hang out with you while you eat. It's cool. You can go ahead and eat. I don't. That's mind. exactly what happened. 
that sounds see i want that written into the script and i want i want them to communicate that am i wrong that bats can't see right and yet there's a seems to be a bat cam a couple times in this movie where like everything's they, a little I slanted and see i think they just have very poor eyesight uh, and they use echolocation to like navigate but i think they can see it just well if i mean well. these ones should be able to see because they're genetically modified but i yeah. wish that they had also included oh, yeah, have, that in a script you know they have those yellow eyes so maybe they can see yeah, there's a, there's a lot was... of bat vision in this movie, sometimes in scenes where there are no bats. <laughs> <laughs> you I think did... there's no bats, Austin, but they're very sneaky. I did yeah, love that. Point. when like very good. Point. The bats would all like wake up like they were awake, but they would all like wake up and like to a new threat and all their eyes would light up. It's like, oh, that's like it's like an mm-hmm. effect that like <laughs> it's not how I would demonstrate that. Like, that's not what I would do if I was like tasked with like. Well, how would you have the bats? But like the way, the way that they did it, I thought was creepy and cool. Yeah. No, I really wanted to be in a movie theater for that scene in the mines in the end where they're all in the ceiling and there's like a gajillion of them because that would have been really creepy um, to see in the theater. But um, less creepy on my laptop. <laughs> I also love, by the way, one of my fa- so there's two things like I love, you know, in movies like this where characters just do very stupid things. So like the the scene where Carlos jacket um where he's dying to save to save Donna or Nancy whatever her name is what's her Dina name Meyer. Dina Meyer No but the but the character the, the character, character is Sheila Sheila that's Donna Nancy Sheila there it is um so he goes to save Sheila and then he gets attacked by bats but like he the bats are just like sitting on him for a solid 30 seconds and he has every chance to just grab one of them and smash it against the the ground, but he just sits there looking at it, and then it starts ripping his neck apart. Um, and I'm like, "Why did you? Why did you do that?" He had made a decision to sacrifice himself, and he he was going to no, commit to it. I will die no matter what, <laughs> saving <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> exactly. It's not worth charging out of this restaurant <laughs> to save her if I don't also die in the process. I also mm-hmm. love there's the scene where like they're fleeing uh, after they set off the the coolant um, and they're fleeing the cave that the mines and Lou Diamond Phillips turns around and like shoots a couple bats and I'm like, we need to get like three of them. <laughs> there's literally thousands of bats right there. And you are just literally like slowing yourself down by doing this. What a dumb, uh, what a dumb plan that is. But I also think shit like that's hilarious. So I'm glad it's in the movie. You know, I mean, I, I've never been attacked by bats. So I, I can't put myself truly in that position. What would I do if I were covered in bats? Would I have the ability, the foresight to, to, to grab it and tear it off me or would I, if I had a gun, would I think like, Oh, this seems useful to turn around and shoot a couple before we blow up a million or freeze a million, whatever their plan was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like in moments of panic, you never know what, what you're going to do. I do like that this movie, like one of their potential solutions for like how to deal with the bats is that we're going to freeze them, right? Like at 40 degrees, they go to sleep at 32 degrees. They die. Yeah. But the movie had the foresight to set up that this isn't a heat wave. And so it makes it extra difficult in Texas. They're like, if only it wasn't a heat wave. I'm like, right. You wrote yourself out of that corner. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, we have a solution. (laughs) It can't work. Like it's, it's so dumb, but like, it's just like you set it up and you paid it off. Like that's all you need to do. And it works. 
I mean, when is it not not a heat wave in Texas, honestly? But yeah, um, yeah fair enough. I think the only real weak link for this uh, in this movie is Leon, who doesn't seem to know how people talk, uh, which I found very odd. I mean, he's very charming and everything, but like every one of his line deliveries is like, that's not how you're supposed to say that. <laughs> you're not you're not a great actor, but I know I love his him. his character is not my favorite. And I, I no. think I think it was a script. You know, I think it's said very clearly in the script, like black man plays this character <laughs> and then a white writer being like, and this is how he speaks. And yeah, you know, Leon does what he can, but it's still, yeah. there's, there's an awkwardness to that role. And what I kind of like is he's in it so much. And I think normally that kind of character <laughs> wouldn't be in it that much, but he's That's true. That's true. I do he's like in that. It, he's in it so much that they kind of have no choice, but to like make a real character out of him, or you do start to like, you know, grow an attachment to him. Even though he, he does. He's like, I guess the comic relief, but he's just like a little too much. Um, but I, I really warmed to him by the end. Well, like one of the very first like character development things he does is Dina Meyer is down in the cave and she's like, man, I got to lose a few pounds. Like you got to tell me to cut out the sweets or something like that. He goes, well, you know, I'm a black man. Like the line is basically almost verbatim. <laughs> you know, as a black man, I don't mind having a little bit more cushion. It's just like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like, that's like, that's like a very, a very, very white person wrote this movie, just so we're clear, like an incredibly white person um, yes. uh, wrote this. You know, he also wrote The Aviator and Hugo and Gladiator. So and I don't Sky, remember and a single Skyfall. black person in any of those movies. No, I don't think. <laughs> well, I mean, you got Jaiman Hunsu, but Jaiman Hunsu just like says a few things and kills a bunch of people uh, in, in Gladiator. So um yeah, I'm not. I don't think that's his strength. But I do admire that he like was like, nope, we're gonna stick with this. This guy's gonna talk a lot, <laughs> and everything also, that he like, says. Somehow, mm-hmm. somehow they turn the empathy. They're like, we know that you can't go down in the caves, but like you have an important job up here. Just like we're we're rooting for this guy. Like it's yeah, yeah. yeah. I, he's like he's like LL in Deep Blue Sea. It's like a very mm-hmm. similar kind of character. We're just like, oh cool, uh, this guy didn't die, and I expected him to halfway through the movie, and like uh, he gets to stick around and do heroic things and survive to the very end. So. Um, it is cool. But yeah, like every single thing he says is some comment on like how he wants to be somewhere else. Yeah, he yeah, he gets the point across that he he doesn't like bats. <laughs> he does not like bats. Despite his know. choice of career. <laughs> Which I don't remember how the movie defends, but the movie does explain why he hates bats, but also works with bats. And I don't remember the explanation, but the movie's he like... He loves them from afar. Is Mm-hmm. all he really i think that's all he really says is he he thinks they're fascinating and he he likes bats like as a as a concept and he likes to learn about them and see them from afar but he doesn't actually want to interact you know what i do genuinely love about this movie thinking about this now that they don't make a single batman reference and no. and Batman is timeless. Like it doesn't matter. Like we we talk a lot on Too Fast about like Hobbs and Shaw having multiple Game of Thrones jokes, or like movies like Logan Lucky having multiple game like different Game of Thrones jokes, and just like this really dates it to a time and a place, and it's not great. And like Batman, like whether it's you know that in West or that Batman eighty nine or whatever, like Batman's always around. Like, people always know Batman, but the movie's like no, 
we're not going to make that joke. We're not going to take the easy shot. We're going to just do our own bat thing. And like, it seems like a worse movie with like lean in to be like, Oh, you're a real Batman, huh? Or something like that. And like, this movie <laughs> doesn't. Hey, Batgirl. Yeah, that seems like something that Lou Diamond Phillips should have said to Sheila. Like, mm-hmm. come on, Batgirl. Let's go save Gotham. See, if I'd written the movie, it would have said that. But it does make <laughs> Nosferatu references. So it's classy. Well, yeah, yeah Nosferatu did... is playing at the theater. And there's another mm-hmm. like vampire joke where when they're during the montage, when they like uh, put all the fence the electrified fence. Oh, you're, the yes, you're right. You're and right. There is prob- probably Leon. I think. Oh, yeah, he like, says like we, we should hang up garlic. Should or we hang right? some garlic yeah. or something? Yeah, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is not a bad joke. <laughs> I don't. I think that's that's pretty good if you're going to make a vampire reference and they don't dwell on it. You know, there, there's too many. Okay, so I think I, the the thing I was trying to say earlier with like my problem with the pacing. I think my issue with it is like there's too many climactic moments and I want I want it to build to something as opposed to be like there's like the 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 town scene then the scene where they're like uh, whatever building they're in where they're you know using all the fences and that sort of thing and the flamethrower and everything and then there's the mine scene and I'm like pick one and build on it and and don't and don't keep giving me all these like different conclusive endings. What you're saying um, is there's too many amazing set pieces in this movie. Yes, but none of them none of them I don't think have the have the right sort of crescendo to them to make me like really excited about any single one. Yeah, that's so, fair. Um, I also think like I disagree. the whole like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I, I I do kind of think that the whole like um what's the military going to do when's it going to happen? could be a little bit better. Like, I think that like putting the artificial, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. 48 hour time, <laughs> time clock, time crunch on this. Commencing not- final approach. Uh Oh, get out of there, guys. You got 10 seconds and then the whole thing's going to blow. Yeah. No, I yeah, it's I agree. A, it's hard to buy. Like, I like the fighting the clock aspect of it and that they have one hour to freeze the bats before the town is bombed or, or whatever. Um, they don't really sell that this guy on the other end is like, you have 62 minutes with no leeway. Yeah. And, you know, and they, they don't even say like, they don't even tell him like, well, we're going in anyway. Yeah. There's like, no even like, there's no guarantee they're not going to bomb anyway. Like he doesn't get a sort of like, it's not conditional. And then Leon gets on the phone. And he's like, call off the strike. And the guy's like, okay. The last second. <laughs> Yeah, and I I felt like he didn't have any like leverage there if they were like Right. <laughs> if point. they were like just give us 2 hours instead of 1. <laughs> we're going to be here anyway. So just do it. Like they uh... I felt like they could have argued a little more, but I but despite that, I love that aspect of it of like having such a short amount of time to like complete this mission because also 62 minutes is not any time at all for what they do yeah like it's yeah it's a very brief period of time they have the whole montage just of suiting up i mean that's like that's 10 (laughs) minutes right there that's 20 (laughs) minutes yeah (laughs) that's a lot of minutes 
yeah so it's a little hard to buy into but i but i still love i love that they went for it anyway sure and I, and, 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 so and and not feeling the need to like explain how the how the commander sergeant whatever he was changed his mind you know because <laughs> like at one mm-hmm. an hour earlier he's like no no matter what we're bombing this thing and like you like get out of there and there's no chance and he doesn't say like unless you pull off your weird thing <laughs> yeah and then there's no pushback like like what austin said like they're just like oh you guys took care of it all right cool. okay great are you sure yes for sure. okay yeah. call off the jets <laughs> is that how the military works i don't think it does but I also so so uh, I guess this kind of gets us to the end of the movie. But the other thing where I like I, I can't really be mad at this movie at all, even if I didn't love it, love it. But like where I'm charmed is it starts with the like we're gonna say bats as many times as possible, and then it ends with that great that great like stereotypical horror movie ending of like mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. missed one, and I, I was like <laughs> oh shit they missed one a sequel, and then they run it over, and it's like that's it dead bat uh i thought that was fantastic i love it that, that's like the right kind of self-aware right where it's just yes. like we know that you want a sequel and we're not going to get i mean they could still do it and they did this you know a sci-fi sequel years later yeah. but like it's easy kind of thing where like every summer for the next 10 years are doing a bats movie because like people would go see it but it's just like nope <laughs> there's one more and it's gonna make a breed of nope it got run over by the truck the I mean, the if sunset. the movie did better, they might have still tried. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, I mean, it, it, the the reality is that might have been one of several bats that survived the thing, right? So, but it's just yeah. a funny, it's a funny gag and sort of a a, a good kind of um, sort of showing showing their hand of like what kind of movie this is and how you should have thought about your experience for the last 90 minutes right? yeah. like they know it's crazy yeah they're not uh it's not like i guess the hacky ending of like set deliberately setting up a sequel right and they did right they're just kind of saying like you know i hope it does well but <laughs> this is this is this is it this is the movie <laughs> splat <laughs> yeah so yeah i definitely respect that well, it was um, it was a, it was a, it was a thing. It was a, it was a thing to behold. Uh, <laughs> I, I will, it was certainly unlike anything else we have covered so far. Yeah, in this and it's, podcast, you guys uh, did the stats. You guys right. did the stats and stuff earlier. Like this movie did yep. bad, right? Or people hated it. Is well, what people I hated it, except for James E on Metacritic, uh, who wrote a great review of it uh, that you'll okay. hear in the intro. Um, but it, as, as I mentioned, like it made twice its budget. So, you know, yeah, there you go. That's that's great. (laughs) It was made for just over five and made just over 10. So no one can complain about that. But the critics, the few critics who wrote sort of like warm reviews of it basically talk about it the same way that we've talked about it. Right. Which is like. This is completely fucking insane, but has an odd charm to it that is hard to resist. So, I mean, I also think, yeah. you know, having just recorded last week, the two and a half hour long Joan of Arc movie, where yeah. it's like, I appreciate parts of this, but this movie is so long and it doesn't <laughs> feel like 1999 to me. And this movie feels like 1999 insofar as they just don't make this kind of movie really anymore. 
Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I love, like I was talking to my co-host over on how to win the lottery. I don't remember if it was about this movie or other movies, but just like the nineties were a great time where like, you could just make movies. Like there's just movies mm-hmm. and like, you don't, they're not really like striving for like great art. They're also not like only have like a quarter million dollars to make the entire thing. It's like, you have like a decent amount of money to just like make something cool. And people just made movies and it's, you don't have that anymore. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's frustrating that like everything is either like a franchise or a blockbuster or like, you know, it's a million dollar horror movie that like they're looking for the next paranormal activity or whatever, which like yeah. could be cool or also might not be or whatever. Right. But yeah. like a movie like that's especially within the context of this podcast is refreshing because like this feels emblematic and indicative and reflective of 1999 in a way that like a couple of the movies that we've done recently like kind of haven't and like i'm not saying that this is like that you can really compare this to the messenger because the messenger cost so much more money than this and like it's not really fair to either movie to compare the two mm-hmm. but i i think this is like a great thing to talk about on this podcast I agree. And I also think that it's it's like one of those things that I, I kind of forgot, which is we mentioned it in Deep Blue Sea, but the obsession in the 90s over like genetic engineering as a sci-fi trope, uh, because, you know, we had like Dolly the Sheep right in the mid 90s and Jurassic Park and then like Congo and then Deep Blue Sea and then this and people just like assumed that the creature feature would be about genetically engineered creatures and we don't do that anymore really (laughs) um and it was very much like a 90s anxiety of like our control of nature and and of of making you know sort of supercharged animals or whatever um that's also just something that you're not going to see as a uh, as a as a plot point with quite the sort of normal you know uh, regularity that you saw uh, in 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 the nineties. So and now they just I, give I an animal cocaine. That. Exactly. <laughs> now they're just giving. So yeah. Now it's it's a much more modern approach to just give an animal mm-hmm. a ton of cocaine and see what happens. Um, yeah. And and uh, the the <laughs> the whole thing of like a. Uh, disaster that could kill a bunch of people that originates from bats i'm like ooh, there's some there's some there's some there's some there's some there's some covid parallels going on here as well i was like that's that's pretty that's pretty weird and prescient and interesting uh including the lab the lab leak theory uh where where bob gunton did it on purpose and leaked the bats to kill everybody so i mean i will also say that like in watching the x-files there were like four or five like contagion viral outbreaks episodes were just like Oh, yeah, like, these are all, like, if anybody actually paid attention, like, you'd be like, oh, you know. But, like, in those, like, even, like, in those episodes, like, even Scully's not wearing a mask. It's like, if anybody in this entire universe would be wearing a mask, it would be the scientist yeah. who understands <clears throat> everything about everything. But, you know, what can you do? What can you do? Uh, shall we Shall we, um, Shall we? we move to our, our closing questions? Yes. Okay. So, Austin, mm-hmm. I have learned that I was maybe mistaken in your history with this movie. So my question to you, do you have a favorite movie from the year 1999? I would go with Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby, (laughs) if I had to pick one. Um, That, yeah, I just, I love that movie a lot. Um, I love Drop Dead Gorgeous, which I know you guys oh, yeah. just mm-hmm. did. That's like way mm-hmm. up there. But I'm a cheerleader is 
way up there, also with nice. Natasha Lyonne. Um, you know, I... I'm sorry, Natasha Lyonne was in Freeway 2? Yeah, she stars in Freeway 2. And David Allen oh, Greer and, and Vinegar Gallo. Syndrome just remastered that, didn't they? Yeah, and they Max did. Max Perlick? What the f- Yeah, I, this is a yeah, movie that I didn't crazy. know about that I wanted to buy because, like, I, I, I look at whatever, whenever Vinegar Syndrome, Vinegar Syndrome announces a new month of movies. Yeah. I was like, let me just, because I, I, inevitably I've heard of almost none of them. And I'm like, well, let me just see what this is. And I'm like, oh, Natasha Leone. They're looking like the reviews on Letterboxd. I'm like, these are crazy reviews. So that's definitely a movie <laughs> that I'm going to buy maybe the halfway to Black Friday sale or something. I don't know. But like, yeah, w- I would love to have you back to talk about that movie because like. Mm. I can't afford the Vinegar Syndrome disc yet, but they did Freeway <laughs> like two, two months before Freeway 2. So I'd, I'd really like both of them because Freeway, I, I think, is a masterpiece. Um, but yeah, I love Freeway 2. And yeah, the other 99 movies, uh, I, my most boring answer would be being John Malkovich. Um, if you're looking for a movie people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um but I do. I love Charlie Kaufman. But I. But you know, it's not. It's not as good as Freeway Two. Not, <laughs> not quite as good as Freeway Two. That's got. I'm looking right now at your letterbox, and of the nine movies from this year that you gave five stars to, we've only covered three of them. Okay. okay. We've only covered Drop Dead Gorgeous, Malkovich, and Magnolia. But the other six, and like the only, of the other six, I kind of only had heard of like two before, like a month ago. <laughs> but I'm a cheerleader and Julian Donkey Boy. But like. Herstory of Porn. Right. Oh, Herstory of Porn is amazing. <laughs> Freeway Two, all about my mother. Is that an Almodovar? Oh, movie? that's yeah, that's yeah, Almodovar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's a yeah, great so movie. I, well, I knew we'll about that. that one. Yeah. And then, how is your news and the war zone? I don't know. How's your news? Is a documentary about uh, mentally disabled people who like start a news network. And oh, I've heard. They, like of that. go out on this. Uh-huh. They had a TV series briefly too, and they're right. Okay, they just like go out yep. on the street and like interview people, and some of them, you know, you can't really like understand, but it it's very endearing and very sweet, and it's it's just mm-hmm. a a really nice, uh, pleasant documentary. And then the War Zone is a movie directed by Tim oh, Roth, boy. which I'm, I, I'm reading about this right now. This is who. Yeah, it's really a really upsetting movie that I, I would rather not ever watch again. (laughs) So, I mean, if you guys do cover it, like, I mean, I do it, but like, I, (laughs) it's a movie I don't really want to see again because it's, it's really upsetting. So without, without spoiling what that movie's about is the titular, is is the alienated teenager. Is that Colin Farrell? Is he, is he the son who finds out the thing he finds out? Uh, no, I don't even remember Colin Farrell in it. So it looks like the parents, according to this, Ray Winstone and Tilda Swinton. Yeah. And Colin Farrell's in it. Oh, I remember this movie. Right. Yep. Ray this Winstone. is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah he must have a, a small role. I don't remember him in it. But. Okay. Yeah, I remember. I do remember the teenage boy. It wasn't an actor I knew, but it was definitely not Colin Farrell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And then also kind of. Kind of a movie, also, kind of a music video, but the when <laughs> the Aphex Twin Window Licker video, okay, <laughs> is from '99 and it's unbelievable. I don't know if I've seen that. I'll I'll look that up after we're done here. So the 
the maybe easier, maybe more difficult question. I feel like the answer might lie in the title of your Patreon. Do you have a favorite movie of all time? Not currently. Okay. I don't, I, I almost always do, but at this time I just, I, there's not one that I feel like it's definitely this, but there are, you know, ones that are always contenders like Bratz and, (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) um, and Spring Breakers, you know, Spring Breakers was my favorite for a long time. And I did just watch it again last month and was like, yeah, this, this holds up. This could be my favorite. And, uh, I mean, can I just list like, yeah, my favorite. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rules. Go ahead. Sleepaway camp. Love it. (laughs) We've talked about that Um, on the show before. too. Oh, nice. Uh, reanimator, I think is like a perfect horror movie. Oh, night warning with Susan Terrell. That's when I've, I've ended up seeing it like a bunch of times. It's also called butcher Baker nightmare maker. It's from 82. And that movie I think is just so perfect. And Susan Terrell is one of my favorite actresses largely because of that movie. And it, it's just such a tour de force performance. Um, and yeah, that's like way, way up there. And, uh, I was really, I really connected with Pearl from last year. So that's like very oh. new, but Interesting. I just yeah. it really, really resonated with me. And Pearl is like one of my favorite movies now. So and M3 again from this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. M3. Megan is, is incredible. Um, but okay, I, I, I did... actually have a, I have a, I, sorry, continue. Then I have a question for you afterward, after we're done, but I have a, I have a question for you about Megan, but please can talk about Megan. <laughs> well, I did end up ranking Pearl over Megan overall. And then also dream to believe is always like, yeah. Top three, no matter what. Yeah. In the like 60 or so movie run of Keanu club, which was a struggle for me for a lot of it. There were two movies that I'd never heard of that I loved. One was the movie that he directed called man of Tai Chi. Oh, and yeah. the other one was, I'm glad you liked that. I didn't know you, I forgot you liked that. Yeah. I like that. Movie a lot too. The other one is dream to belief mm-hmm. with Olivia Diabo. Um, my question to you, Austin, is that if you were like, I, I own a lot of movies and they're in alphabetical order on my shelves because otherwise I would not be able to find anything. Would you alphabetize Megan as M3 or M8? Because they call <laughs> her Megan, but it's stylized as M3. I, I would put it in M.E. You put it in Emmy, okay. But I I don't, you know, I don't think M3 is wrong. You know, like I want to blame anyone. Does does M3 come before M-A? Or does it, is it after Mm -hmm. M-O? (laughs) Wait, why would it be after M-O? Well, because three starts with T. So it's M-T-H-R-E-E-G-A-N, if you're doing it that way. Well, no, there's three I, options of where you can put Megan on your M. Because on your M if it's the number spelled out, you you just do numbers before the alphabet, generally. Sure. If it, okay. That would be insane if it were called M-T-H-R-E-E-G-A-N. <laughs> uh. <laughs> this feels like it's in the wrong place on your shelf. No, I, I assure you it's the exact right that's, place. That's a, M-T-H-R-E-E-G-A-N. <laughs> 
All right. We're done. Uh, time, time, time to go to bed. Joey, there's no there's no preview because because we have a an in-between episode next week and then we start a new round. Well, I hope uh, that I remember my I'm going to write down my I have a, I have a great. Um, great is a very strong word. Yeah, I, I have a way to preview the next movie, but I'll just okay. say in the meantime, actually, Austin, is there anything you want to plug other than your Patreon or including your Patreon? Uh, yeah, my Patreon, The Truth About Cats and Brats. You can search that. You'll find it. It's movie reviews and stuff. Uh, you know, I'm the host of February through April 1992, the podcast. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you can always you can always find me talking about uh, all the magazines that came out <laughs> in those three months. Game Pro. Game Pro. Yeah. No, I don't have a I don't have a podcast. I, that would be but i love i just i love the idea of you know a super specific podcast and like hyper specific yeah so you yeah. doing 1992 and i think it would be funny to like go even deeper and just do like <laughs> three months well the funny thing is like we literally 99 is so packed that we could literally have just picked a single month and still oh, sure. probably like a year a year or two of content to uh to mine there but um yeah, it's yeah, very the go. idea of just picking three months of <laughs> <laughs> and specifically about the magazines from those months, not about the months in total, but just the magazines that Re- came reviewing out. the Game Pro issues of 1992. And yeah, not uh, reviewing the games that Game Pro talks no, about. No, no, reviewing the reviews of the games in Game Pro in 1992. Yeah, um, it's all it's all of them. Cosmo, Sports Illustrated, <laughs> the whole the whole gambit. I uh, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of whether or not I would put money on whether or not a podcast very similar to what we're talking about right now currently exists. And I think I'd bet that it does, <laughs> but I but I'm I'm You're, reluctant it's, to it's say it's a numbers that. game. It's got to exist just because every podcast exists. But yeah. man, yeah. Yeah, now I want at it point. at some point. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Um, Austin, thanks so much. This is a lot of fun. Thank you, Austin. And, and, Thank you. Um, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for sharing the, the wonder of bats with us. Joey, we'll be back for our in-between episode soon. And then back with a whole new season with a whole new theme. Until then, look out for frogs. Look out for frogs. Thanks guys. Thanks.